0: Hello and welcome to The Mangal Media Show. I am Mangal Media Editor-in-Chief, FL Levant. To learn more about us and follow the articles discussed on the show, please visit our website www.mangalmedia.net. Mangal Media is supported entirely by reader donations. If you like our content and would like to see more of it, please check out our pledge options from our Patreon site. Listeners who like fiction, can also buy our illustrated short story, Guide to Every City, written by myself and illustrated by Ala Al-Hasul. Guide to Every City is a guide for a fictional city inhabited by insects. The three different species of insect in every city, hopsters, sloggers, and buzzies live segregated lives on their isolated neighborhoods. The book not only presents a commentary on social divisions within urban life, it also satirizes contemporary travel writing, the fictional author of the guide steve mccracker is a thoroughly unrelatable hipster who genuinely believes that the rest of the world did not exist until he discovered it for some over-designed travel magazine you will laugh you will cringe in the words of steve you will never be the same again here at Mangal media we are working on a new print project based on our nostalgia in the periphery article series this new volume will include original stories and artwork from regular and new contributors and will be available in our online shop. In today's podcast, I will be joined by Adnan Mahmutovich to talk about his contribution for this upcoming publication. Adnan's piece, titled Nostalgia All Over Shia is a comic book drawn by Esmir Perlia, explaining the author's complicated relationship with Nostalgia Hello, Adnan. It's great to have you uh, for the second time on the Manga Media podcast.
1: Very good to be here again.
0: Um, so, you are working. Actually, you have finished working on a story called "All Over Nostalgia." All over Bashar Shia. Am I pronouncing it right? By the way,
1: yes, it's pretty good. Yeah,
0: Bashar Shia. Because like a lot of it is also the same bus is also the same in turkish yes. um so this was a part of a project as an extension of our project um nostalgia in the periphery and we're working on a new kind of printed version of it and you have decided to make a comic book for us called nostalgia all over bus perhaps you could first kind of summarize the story that you wrote for us.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so basically, the story is uh, uh, about uh, it's, it's, it's a reflection on um, this uh, old uh, what we call it worry about nostalgia as something that um, that we have all uh, felt or wanted to feel or wanted each other to feel uh, in diaspora in as as refugees and you know from from the war and onwards uh, so so basically the story deals with all the things that are um, uh, well not all the things but a lot of things that people feel nostalgic about when it comes to um, to the place where you come from it's usually the music the food you know, merchandise is a lot of times it is the merchandise, you know, it's the small things that we feel uh, uh, we're missing, usually from our childhoods, from our youth and things like that. So, uh, so the story is about, uh, you know, how you uh, kind of uh, cope with that, how you deal with all the things that you uh, are nostalgic about, or maybe others want you to feel nostalgic about. But maybe you don't. So it's a little bit about kind of being sli- being kind of split between, between nostalgia and aversion to nostalgia. I cannot hear you right now.
0: I'm sorry, I had left it on mute. Um, so in the story, you make it quite clear that your uh, default position on nostalgia is one like of skepticism that almost kind of borders on a kind of hostility. Uh, perhaps you could explain like how you came to feel this way about nostalgia.
1: Absolutely. So, so basically, I opened the story with this uh, uh, very strong kind of onslaught on nostalgia, or at least kind of a reflection on the way I felt, you um, when I started writing, you know, back from, from the 90s on and uh, the first 10 years of refugee life. Uh, and uh, basically, I, th- I think uh, the reason I, uh, I became really, well, obviously, this is, this is a, a story which is semi-satirical and it's also uh, made into a, a comic book so uh, so there's a lot of hyperbole there's also uh, there's a lot of exaggeration so uh so the, the entire kind of feeling of hostility towards nostalgia is is a bit staged definitely it's a bit exaggerated as it as it should be just as nostalgia itself is exaggerating uh, an exaggeration of uh, our love for for things uh, it's very everything that we feel nostalgic about is metonymic we single out things uh, which then become representative of everything that we loved uh, who we are and uh, so we just charge I, well, the, the reason I, I always felt uh, at least from the beginning the aversion to nostalgia was that usually people would single out a couple of things and uh, and they assumed that those things were the common things to everyone so everyone should feel nostalgic about r- that selection of things uh and uh, and i felt like okay well maybe i'm not you know maybe i'm not nostalgic about those things at all maybe I, I i i'm really pleased never to ever you know ever see those things again or feel those things again or you know never to hear that music again or uh but maybe i'm nostalgic about something else you know maybe uh it's, it's it's something much more private so it was it was this sense that in diaspora and uh, as we were you know in in uh, what you say the periphery uh, from uh, from our own uh uh you know country of origin that we basically uh you know invented or reinvented ourselves through a couple of, of those you know, metonymic things. And, and I, I felt that was reductive. And I, th- I, I always felt that was kind of hurting us as a community, that uh, didn't really help us either kind of gain back our roots or feel safe again in who we were or who, who we are. Or you know uh, expand our views and you know become something else you know be- evolve in certain, certain ways so it was just like you know I, th- I felt that the the problem with nostalgia in those first years was that it wanted to keep us in this space in between and you know, uh, kind of suspended and uh, I think that was definitely something I um, I reacted to quite quite a bit.
0: So you were bothered by the aspect of nostalgia that made you feel like you have to conform with uh, the opinions of like a group as opposed to having like your own individual expressions of what you miss and what you don't?
1: Absolutely yes because there would be usually uh, would be a lot of things but I suppose it's different for different places but at least, you know, within these uh, there was there was a need to 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 find a couple of things to uh, and, and postulate like that these are the things that keep us together. These are the things that uh, uh, that are the ones that we should desire and, uh, and should uh, have strong feelings about. And I, I felt that was kind of imposing a sense of conformism, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yes. And not being honest about ourselves, you know, about things like, if if you say, okay, well, this is what you should cry over you know this is what what should make you cry and this is what should make you laugh and this is what should make you uh feel cozy or warm or cold or whatever you know uh then then i i usually felt that uh, that didn't really do me any any good
0: but well, you're also envious of the sense that people like of nostalgia that people are feeling because Just as it kind of expects everybody to conform into uh, an idea of an identity by refusing that you're also almost are you feeling like you have been left out of that identity that something a part of you has gone missing by not being nostalgic about that.
1: I think so. Yes, because uh, because th- those are the kinds of things that we that help us participate, yeah, you know, and connect, and and that's how we connect. We usually connect over things that uh, that we love, over the things that we find funny or sad or you know ridiculous, and uh, and so on and so on. So uh, so if if you're not feeling that, you know, if uh, as I do in the story, if I say that you know a, a friend of mine. Feels super nostalgic about you know certain produce like like chewing gums, and and he buys you know uh, huge amounts of of the, of the chewing gum and then my daughter who's actually born in Sweden and who ha- has no connection to Bosnia in that way you know she connects to that you know. of course and that that produces a sense of um, of uh, envy and I think that's uh, that's an interesting. I I think it's good to be honest about that.
0: Uh, uh. I think this whole idea of nostalgia kind of brings up a political question about assimilation as well, because I suppose the more nostalgic someone is to their home country, uh, the less likely they will be in in terms of like integrating into the country that they are. Is that something this is that the manifestation of a resistance to assimilate or? is there like an expectation to assimilate that is triggering this kind of resistance, especially in the particular context that you are in, in Sweden? Like, how does the community of Bosnians feel about uh, to what uh, to what uh, degree they're expected to be assimilated there? And to what degree they're expected to abandon uh, the culture that they had prior to coming? I
1: don't know how strong of a demand that was on the Bosnian community uh, comparing to some other communities whose uh, uh, cultures perhaps and, and you know things they love uh, were probably regarded as more foreign, as more as stranger than than ours. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially because we have a history of being in in these places, so the, the, there are these historical connections. So it's definitely more of a transition than uh, than a shock uh, of the kind that perhaps others have uh, have experienced. Uh, but it is definitely a way of uh, of trying to to resist something, uh, and for that reason. I felt that there, there was something fake in it. That, that there was no real understanding of uh, what it is that you are resisting and what it is that you're trying to save uh, by uh, overemphasizing, by being kind of melodramatic about about certain things you you consider not nostalgic you know, or, or that you're nostalgic over. You know. So so for me it was it was merely that. Uh but then you understand this. I mean I absolutely understand it. It's just that I, I didn't want to be in that position myself. And I thought that would that would be a kind of a reductive, inauthentic position.
0: To be the nostalgic, you mean you?
1: No, I mean to be to to not recognize you know what it is that I'm resisting. Uh or what it is that I'm kind of missing if I'm nostalgic? Because a lot of times when you're nostalgic, you're not quite sure. You can't really put your finger on what it is that that you're trying to gain back that or, or regain uh, through these. Uh, so there but, was different no. No, go ahead. No, that, that was just like uh well my like these strong feelings i had uh about nostalgia in in those first years uh, uh i definitely much uh, i mean obviously much has changed uh, but so so in the story i i kind of uh, have a throwback to that time when i was as you say kind of hostile to nostalgia
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you have aged, you have become kind of friendlier <laughs> to the idea of nostalgia <laughs> <I have> become, <laughs> it's, it's become inevitable
1: <laughs> yes yes absolutely now because I see it differently now you know i'm uh, I feel uh, that I've grown enough so that I can see those moments as uh, endearing as I try to, to, to portray through that scene with uh, my friend and my daughter I, mm-hmm. I find that endearing, and uh, and nice no, because uh, I'm, I'm not i don't feel threatened by it the way i would you know 20 years ago
0: mm. could you perhaps like explain because when you say threatened by it mm. uh it is it is a very very potent feeling and could you maybe point out to like a singular experience where you felt threatened by nostalgia or like could you describe that sense of feeling threatened by nostalgia?
1: Uh, see, I, I think wa- one of the things that I uh, describe in, um, in my short story collection, How to Farewell and Stay Fair, in fact, in that story, uh, it was that realization when um, the way people were uh, treating my father, my late father, uh, in fact, he was, he was really not very nostalgic uh, at all. And uh, it was less a pressure on me and, uh, and more a pressure on him that I felt kind of from the community uh, that, uh, you know, that he would have uh, to, to respond to or, or, or conform to uh, in that, that, that group of people, you know, the, that generation which grew up, uh, you know, after, after World War II, uh, in 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 socialist yugoslavia you know so so that nostalgia for that time and for those uh, for those things uh so all the things that um um uh, things like you know uh, you know wanting to return obviously uh and uh, and uh uh, these these parties that would organize, for instance, you know, with and the, and the music, and he was not... Uh, the thing is, I knew he was a huge fan of a lot of those things when he was in Bosnia, but now here in the in diaspora, he wasn't really kind of into all that, everything that the, the people tried to do communally. He wasn't so into that. And, and there was a sense of, uh, for me, that uh, he was treated almost like a traitor. <laughs> and yeah, no, like oh but you're not what kind of a bosnian are you you know what kind of a, a person are you not to feel this and not to think that and not to want that so 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 i remember I had these these moments with him where uh under the kind of influence of, of other people i would uh in fact, in fact, look down upon him, or you know, maybe say harsh words to him, uh, you know, things like that, and then realizing, like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah, you know, who, what is making me do this? And and why wouldn't I allow my own father to to feel the way he feels? Yeah, you know, uh, so I think that was that was in fact one of those those uh, uh, moments
0: so i suppose we could almost say that your rejection of nostalgia in the future because you have like a three stages in your relationship of nostalgia yes. now that the first one has been revealed uh yes. so the second like after this first stage of confronting your father about his lack of nostalgia when you got into the second stage it's almost of your own rejection of nostalgia it's all is it Or is it or is it not kind of because that's how I imagined it, like establishing a bond with your father that you did not have while you were kind of showing this kind of anger to his lack of nostalgia, because you're almost like carrying his torch when you reject nostalgia like he does. Uh,
1: I I think that is I came rather late to this to this uh, uh, conclusion. Uh, or, or it, it came late to me, I think um, uh, it, it took me a while to realize what I was doing, how I was participating in, in what sort of kind of communal bonding, or commun- uh, this, this making of the diasporic community. Uh, so, uh, in fact, the, the thing is, you know, I, I, I don't think I've really managed to uh, compensate for that. <laughs> Uh, and, and create that strong of a bond uh with him that uh, that i now feel i should have uh, i uh, so, so i think i'm a little bit perhaps you know nostalgic for that maybe uh right, right now but it's definitely all kind of a long long phase of uh you know processing a lot a lot of things and uh, allowing myself to just you know uh uh, deal with uh, nostalgia and everything else uh, with with certain um, security, with uh, with certain um, uh, uh, kind of independence and uh, uh, and um, yeah, just feeling kind of safe in my in my own self, uh, not fearing. know yeah, uh, you know. I, I, and not feeling that oh you know what i'm going to be excluded or i'm going to be seen like this and that know it's no it's not going to happen
0: there's something really poetic about the way how you have inherited kind of a sense of rejecting nostalgia from your father but you have kind of also taken a sense of embracing nostalgia from your children it's it's almost like the other way around of the classic narrative. You're supposed to, you know, inherit nostalgia from your parents and the future generations are supposed to talk you out of it. But it's almost like a reverse commute with you.
1: Indeed. And especially at that, that time, because uh, I think my my father changed quite a bit when he got his grandchildren. Uh.
0: Uh, he,
1: he, cha- he changed quite a lot. Not that he suddenly became nostalgic. In fact, he, uh, it was... It, it was my uh, and my wife's wish to kind of go back and rebuild our ha- our home in Bosnia and Banja uh, to which was absolutely not out of nostalgia. That, this, that, that's something I, I I loved. You know, I loved going back there not out of nostalgia, uh, but out of a sense of on, uh, kind of genuine love and pride and even spite. Uh, and it was actually my father who came back with me and started rebuilding, you know, and and, and so on. But it was mainly through it because of the grandchildren. It was, you know, he he changed with with them, you know, and and you know, seeing that you this then you start feeling excluded out of that, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. So, uh huh. So. So yes, you're quite right. It, it it is a weird situation. I am. Uh, I am. And and I described this in the story quite a bit. You know, my sons. You know, listening to uh, to old music and uh, and talking about these things, produce. You know, all that all that stuff. You know, digesting um, Bosnia and and uh, uh, living Bosnia in, in in a way that is um, that is somewhat nostalgic. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but not in, a, in, a, in that uh, not in that kind of oppressive, bad way that I experienced back in uh, well 20 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. You have made a distinction when you were talking about rebuilding your house back in Bosnia. you mm-hmm. made a distinction saying that you did not rebuild it out of nostalgia, but you've built it out of a sense of genuine love. Mm-hmm. How do you make the distinction or why do you think there's a distinction between what you call nostalgia and genuine love? Are those two like mutually exclusive from each other? Do you think?
1: Uh, no, I don't think <coughs> they are mutually exclusive. I just, uh, uh, I just feel that no- nostalgia is uh, uh, is uh, inherently reductive. Uh, that's that's all. Uh, I think it it, uh, it points you in certain directions, uh, which. Uh, um, um, well, I, I, I uh, which are kind of uh, you're not quite sure how those directions, how those things were chosen, decided upon, and so on. So, so I feel you know, kind of coming back just as you know anything you can, you, you can say that uh, let's see some produce that you that you feel nostalgic about, like uh, the chewing gum that was mentioned in the story, uh, the, the one called Chungalunga, for instance, uh you could uh you could feel nostalgic about that thing uh but you could also genuinely um, like it uh and not come to it through through that through that channel uh through that you know uh, on that on that road i think uh, uh with uh, genuine love is that you uh you're much more relaxed in it you don't feel the pressure uh, i think nostalgia creates a little bit more pressure uh on uh on you uh to yeah to, to produce meaning you know it, it is that produce meaning uh and uh, that meaning may change you know a lot of those things uh, have changed nostalgia itself itself changes meaning mm-hmm. uh all of those things that, that they, they absolutely do not mean what uh, for us now, uh, even if we desire them, but they do not mean the same things that uh, they meant uh, when we were kids. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think one of the biggest problems with nostalgia for me personally, is that it always kind of uh, emerges out of situations when there's like nothing to look forward to in the future. Yeah. And the more sense of nostalgia is introduced into like a collective psychology, the more it makes sure that there is nothing in the future to look forward to. And in that sense, there's a lot of kind of like political nostalgia as well, especially for past ideologies, past periods, I mean, in, oh, Turkey, absolutely, absolutely yeah. right. In Turkey, we yeah. have this kind of big divide. It's almost like a politically defining factor here, like, uh, whether you are nostalgic for the Ottoman Empire, or what you are nostalgic for, like the early Republican single party period, I suppose yeah. there is much of a similar kind of story for Bosnia as well
1: well i think so yes uh, absolutely you can see this uh uh quite quite clearly and the thing is that the, the more uh the worse the political situation is that the clearer those uh those distinctions are uh people feel uh I, I see i see quite a lot of that you know that nostalgia for the for the socialist uh, U- yugoslavia uh you know i, I uh, in fact, I have some friends. Uh, they, uh, they would use, for instance, Tito's name, uh, you know, for for other people, for like new new people that they like. Yeah, I know that they, they feel like okay, these, these are the progressive. These are the people that that are kind of good in the political system. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, so they were. Uh, uh, this person you know, is
0: the new Tito kind of thing.
1: Well, not 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 new. Yeah, well, in in their mind, yes, not new Tito in terms of like being a president or something like that. But but embodying something of that uh, of, of that uh, social spirit uh, mm. that they you that they used to see in Tito, for instance. So the Yugo nostalgia is really uh, definitely uh, one uh, one big thing. And then there is uh, the, then there are other obviously. Um, uh, well, groups of people and streams and so on who feel who feel aversion to that kind of nostalgia. So, so they feel aversion to that uh, because it produces a certain kind of identity which they no longer identify with, uh, and they, they they don't wish to have anything in common with it. Absolutely nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. But yes. that, to me, again, you know, is uh, is reductive. All, all these things. So, uh, so as you say, there's. Uh, back when i was a version of Hande's kind of hostile version to nostalgia it was it was not of this kind uh, there were other things but eventually as, as you say it uh, it got crystallized into uh, into a lot more political political nostalgia mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. i suppose for example people insisting on this idea of nostalgia makes the grieving process, a lot more collective that not a lot of people might want to do. They might want to like do their grieving in private as well, and it forces them into this like collectiveized, which could be quite helpful. I'm guessing for a lot yes. of people to do that, but not absolutely for everyone.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah. De- definitely. Uh, definitely. Though I don't. I don't think it's it's necessarily wrong to uh to to grieve in, uh, as a community and, and share that I can of uh, I kind of like that in many ways and sometimes I I just uh, give in uh, and and accept that Uh, but um, but definitely a lot of people did not uh, did not want to to grieve through those kinds of uh, channels. No.
0: I also kind of want to talk about the international aspect of talking about the idea of nostalgia in the periphery and like the idea of like having a collective memory as well. And I suppose the political angle that we just walked in from is a good way to start thinking about that because the entire notion of Yugo nostalgia is not something that only exists in the Balkans anymore. There's like a whole kind of international discourse about like the good old days of Yugoslavia when everything was all right. And I suppose we can enter from there like, how does it feel for you to have this kind of refraction on? from outsiders about like what the best state of Yugoslavia was and how it should be how how what how do you reflect on that
1: well like uh, what i think i feel and and what uh, a lot of people i know feel uh is that uh it produces uh a sense in us that uh uh First of all, that the uh, these good, good old times were good uh in in a way that is uh uh well the thing is that uh surely you know a lot of things were good, uh, and obviously there was There was war and that was really bad. But the the reductive part of that for me is to say that somehow uh, we're all... If you are not nostalgic for that past, if you you do not uh, recognize that as some kind of an ideal state, uh, an ideal time, when everything was uh, was really uh, good and now everything is bad uh, if we don't recognize that that we are kind of all equally bad and that we wa- that, that we do not want that goodness that that we are uh resisting that out of uh, uh perhaps nationalism or uh, or some uh, religious zealotry or you know things that uh, uh as, as if we cannot be together, that, that it was the only model which made us uh all be together uh and and live in peace. Uh, and that it was the only way to be uh to be together and be in peace and and and, and work together and prosper, uh, which for me is kind of a bullshit. Uh it's it's just it's simply not true. Uh Again, so, so the nostalgia here is used to, 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 to reduce uh, that to, to an ideal state which, ne- which never really existed. Uh, and uh, and it's always like that when you look at the past. I mean, I, I, I engaged with this. This is one of the reasons I was drawn, for instance, in the beginning uh, to uh, Midnight Children by Salman Rushdie who uh, wrote about this uh, approach to the past. Uh, he used the metaphor of the screen. And he said, the, 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 long, the, fo- the further away you are f- from the, sc- the screen, the, the the easier it is to see the big picture, uh, or you think you see the, the big picture. And you, if, if you come closer, then you start seeing pixels. Uh, and you zoom in and see pixels. Uh, so, I think nostalgia could be said to be working both, uh from far away and very in, in, in up close, uh, in a sense, it's almost like seeing pixels from far away uh, and seeing uh, seeing the, you know the big picture when you come when you come really close when you when you zoom in. And what I mean by saying seeing pixels from far away is that we think we are so far away from that time uh, that we can see the big picture. Oh, that was really great. But we are actually only seeing pixels. We're only seeing these small dots. and and those small dots are are what we are nostalgic about. Uh, uh, and uh, but we are under this illusion that no, we 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 have this hindsight, you know, we are uh, we, we are able to kind of look look at it and uh, and judge it properly. And most of us cannot. Uh, whether or not whether we are in love with it, uh, adore it, idealize it, or hate it. Uh, I think both, uh, both of these. And uh, the reason why I, I kind of, uh, uh, well, should I say offended or hurt when, when you when you hear that kind of idealizing from the outside is because then everyone is equally guilty of all the bad stuff that's happened uh and uh, uh, that's not something that's uh, that's that's true that you yeah, know oh that was the uh, the war between brothers and uh mm. and that was the war which, in which you know all sides were uh, equal and they all equally hurt each other uh, which is simply not true uh but that is that is the sense that is produced by this image of okay it used to be a country of brothers and sisters and uh, and and love and now the brothers are killing each other uh, as if it is entirely uh mutual and equal
0: yeah it denies the possibility that there was something even back then that was kind of building up to what happened in the 1990s Mm. exactly so working on from the idea of like the periphery as well one of the things that i find exciting about thinking about being nostalgic in the periphery is the idea that there is this kind of well you know we've been through all these neoliberal times in the 2000s when we were told that the world was going to be one big kind of like melting pot and we were all going to like pretty much Mm -hmm. share the same culture and like that whole thing has crashed after brexit and donald trump and like we just kind of woke up from that dream but for the kind of generations that we are a part of uh we kind of grew up to an extent believing in that dream that one day we will all have the same big global culture and we just kind of ended up being that generation who grew up on american culture uh who is different from the generation before and the generation after who have kind of rediscovered their own roots in the generation before who was not kind of as much exposed to the extent that we are, and it makes us feel, I don't know, I I just kind of have this feeling that it makes us like really lonely in that kind of respect, do you feel that as well?
1: I think so, yes. Yes, I definitely feel uh, that I'm uh, a little bit, um, especially with my students when I I talk to them and I try to um, Try to you know bring up uh, good examples to illustrate points you know then suddenly I feel like oh no I'm in the 80s oh no I'm in the, in the 90s now mm-hmm. oh no where am I now like uh, so a total outsider so uh, really quite uh, g- quite a bit so do I follow everything obviously and and I try to uh, uh, to uh, to be uh, you know a part of uh, of everything. Uh, especially, you know, the popular, popular culture, which I love, but, but still there is that sense of uh, suddenly like, oh, I'm 40 years old, but I feel kind of old, you know, uh, because, uh, you know, because what, you know, what I consider recent, uh, you know, it's already a, um, a kind of old classic or ancient thing for, for the new generation, you know, it goes so fast, it, it goes really, really fast
0: i just feel kind of embarrassed as well because a lot of the times i find myself like i catch myself talking about i don't know the uh philosophical history of uh early modern turkey or like 20th century turkey i'm thinking to myself you know this kind of because it's a philosophical genealogy that's often understudied in favor of kind of european philosophers and things like that but there was a kind of really exciting uh philosophical history in this part of the world where we're trying to grapple with the idea of modernism and like we're trying to understand whether by modernizing we are we going to like westernize are we going to lose our essence i mean they come from like very real questions they're not like abstracted uh, in kind yes. of like a theoretical thing as a as i find a lot of western philosophies and like i'm kind of after Having like lived an academic experience, which was almost made it mandatory for me to kind of memorize the canons of Western philosophy, I find myself in my late 30s now, suddenly, quote unquote, discovering this kind of like Turkish philosophical tradition, and it makes me feel super excited. But then when I speak to Mm -hmm. like people in their early 20s, they have already, (laughs) they have already studied the stuff that I have just recently discovered. Yes, and yeah. it just makes me feel so embarrassed because I thought that I was like discovering something really amazing and exciting. But yeah. nobody feels as insecure about the genealogy that they have inherited in this geographical location as yeah. I have. So they, they're yeah. much more comfortable owning up to it and finding it fascinating. We yeah. I feel like we were kind of denied that self-confidence as yes. our generation.
1: Yeah that that, sound, that sounds really accurate to uh to, to how i feel a lot of times you know just uh as you, as you say you know discovering certain things it's almost uh to, to use the, the food metaphor like sometimes when my kids uh show me how to cook some they they, 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 they cook better than i do uh
0: Uh, Why is that? Obviously, (laughs) you were just saying obviously. obviously Maybe maybe
1: because you know, I was I was that generation which you know, uh, men were not ashamed to Uh, to start cooking, uh, you know, and uh, you know doing the dishes and uh, and going to the laundry room and so on, doing the laundry. Uh, so so I I suppose I was that generation, but there was still a little bit of that kind of mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of that nostalgia for that uh, past in which men were. Um, I see. You know, different. You know, so but, so my, in my generation, it, it kind of changed quite a lot. And you know, my uh, uh, and you know, I uh, I remember like uh, just being able to to cook. It was it was uh, like my my father couldn't cook. Uh, you know, an egg to save his life. Mm. <laughs> uh, although he was he was uh, really amazing, he wasn't at all like this patriarchal type at all. Uh, you know, quite the opposite, but but he was that he couldn't cook an egg, you know. Uh and then it was like, oh, amazing that I could cook, you know. And then my kids, they were really small, they 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 can do everything and they teach me how to cook. And then I they teach me something and I feel like I discovered it, you know, mm. uh, and I feel like, oh my god, you know, like if this this is so great, you know, I immediately have this, uh, this, because I'm a writer, you know, so so immediately, you know, fantasy works, uh, at some kind of hyper speed, you know, so immediately I have this image of me opening, you know, a chain of restaurants with that food, just to to realize, well, everyone can cook that now, you know. <laughs> So, so that's just an example of, uh, of, uh, I mean, you you used the reference to, uh, to knowledge and philosophy and all those things, that, and, uh, and I, uh, and I feel that uh, just as as in the story with uh, with my kids, I feel that sometimes they, they teach me, you know, what was good music in the eighties, and what's good music now, and you know how I should look at it and 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 so on. So, a lot a lot more relaxed about it, yeah. Mm
0: and like you make it clear in the story as well they it's i suppose it's kind of funny and awkward to see them kind of be nostalgic for things that are not specifically where they think it comes from no you you know the exact origin of (laughs) it but they kind of perform their nostalgia through that and they don't seem to mind that it's not fully authentic in the sense that they think it is
1: exactly yes they don't mind at all they don't care at all and you see that it's it's just an experience for them you know sometimes uh i mean certain things when they come up i cringe uh mm-hmm. whether it's a matter of taste or ideology you know they they may come up you know and suddenly sing some song which is so ideologically loaded i like, go like oh my god i want to throw up you know i was like how could but then i understand they don't see that at all you know and they uh they, they they this they, they approach it a, a lot more like tourists a lot mm. more kind of aesthetically oh this is kind of fun and i know a month later there will be past all that they would never even mention it so it's uh, uh so, but that i know as, as you say i know the origins i know the the meaning uh, uh and uh and i yeah i think there was um in fact uh uh there is this song I th- I used it in a story some time ago, uh, a story which I think I called uh, My Camp uh, Survivors Guilt, uh, and there there was this there was a song uh, made by a guy in Sarajevo, uh, a famous singer, not one of the the, the best singers or, or the the uh, most popular singers, but definitely a kind of a, a, a nice singer and i remember that song because uh because it kind of sang it, he he uh, the lyrics were about like people who have left uh and he was kind of producing this you know, through the song he was he was kind of reprimanding the people who left and kind of producing a sense kind of nos- of nostalgia in the future so so if if you imagine that that you are <clears throat> uh that you're trying to to uh, I I think you probably seeing your friends leave uh, and they haven't left yet after, or maybe they just left and so in that moment you are kind of writing the song which is about them in the future kind of missing out on the things uh, uh, I thought that was such a curious song it, it's it's uh, it's not that complicated but it's uh, for me it was uh, it was it was really weird you know, to 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 project you know into the future in the middle of the war you know to project nostalgia into the future uh for that generation uh, or for those people who who, who were living or uh, almost as if they have already lived 10 20 years uh mm-hmm. all over the world and and are in this position vis-a-vis you, you know, uh, who uh, who remained, you know, who stayed and, and fought and so on.
0: So it's kind of reprimanding uh, people who left for not being part of the rebuilding effort, essentially. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. And your kids did not understand the political connotations. I suppose, yes. Mm. Because it's exactly written for them as well. It's just, yes. yes, it is. Yeah. I think yes. I mean there is nothing more kind of like empowering than reappropriating something, you know, like mm. the appropriation of the word queer, for example, which was mean to yes. kind of oppress them. And yes. this also in that sense, it's almost kind of a thing. Uh I'm imagining something extremely patriotic as well, which mm. is kind of almost intended to reprimand. People who left, it was intended to kind of oppress people, to guilt trip people for having left. Yes. But here, it yes. is being reappropriated so that it can be enjoyed as part of some, like an effort to reconnect with that past.
1: Yes, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, it, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, this is uh, just. Uh, you know, a lot of those things which you um especially later on you discovered they were not what they what you thought they were, you know, mm. uh, they, they actually meant something else, uh, uh where, they, where they came from, you know, and how you how little you understood actually. That's uh, that's also part of it. Uh
0: do you have this conversation with them do you kind of like quote unquote confront them about the culture that they're consuming or like not not necessarily confront but do you ever go you know like that in that movie that was always mean you're always using that word but it doesn't mean what you think it means do you ever like tell them or like (laughs) make them an explanation about what they think it means versus what it means to you
1: well, so, sometimes, sometimes I do. Mainly, you 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 just warn them not to say it in front of anyone else. It's <laughs> uh, <but laughs> I mean, so, so, so it's kind of you know, oh use it in the family. It's kind of funny, uh, hmm. but, uh it's 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 the, the same. It's like everything <laughs> is
0: backwards in your family, by the <laughs> way. Normally, kids are supposed to be embarrassed of their fathers, but yes, yeah, <laughs> 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 so we
1: have we have. Uh, really weird terms in in, in in my family definitely you know and it's it's great fun i, I think uh uh words language obviously uh it's' it's, it's always really amazing when they try uh, to to use uh to as you say if you you heard it in a movie and it's like a good one liner or something like that or know, some phrase and they they keep repeating it and so <laughs>
0: Let's also kind of quickly before we start to wrap up, let's kind of talk about the medium that you chose for the a nostalgia mm-hmm. all over Bas Charcia story. You have chosen to do it in a comic book medium.
1: Yes. Uh yeah.
0: I mean, so, maybe like you can talk yeah. to us about like why you chose that specific mm-hmm. medium, why you thought it would be like conducive to the kind of story yeah. that you want to tell.
1: I think it was it, it, it was uh, mainly because there were a lot of reasons you know. So I was a huge uh, comic book uh, nerd uh, growing up, uh, in a sense, still am, but not quite in the same way. Uh, so, for instance, the other day I gave uh, I gave my son my uh, as I, as I call him son number one. I I call my my kids you know son number one, son number two, and so on, you know. Uh, so so he wanted to read some comics and uh, uh, I gave him this volume of the essential silver surfer uh, which I read during the war and I remember having such pleasure reading it during the war it was so uh, it was almost like an an inroad into religion uh, and spirituality and things for those kinds of things for me you know Uh, and I was explaining to him you know what why I liked it uh, so much, you know, why it uh, provided me with such comfort and 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 uh, and all that, and uh, obviously we'll see how it how he will read it. Uh, but at the same time, as I was showing it to him, I uh, knew that I didn't want to re read that book because I would uh, not have the same feeling, you know, it would not bring back those memories. So so I would immediately kind of ruined that uh that memory which i had of that time mm. uh, if i were too nostalgic about that you know or, or think that that comic would pre- uh, reproduce uh, uh that uh, that that identity which i used to have um and that is something that uh, I, I i wanted to reflect on in the story uh, uh and i mentioned that I think one bit of the story is that I uh, want to kind of I feel like going back a lot of people are buying these old comic books, which we said so they are kind of reprinted, constantly reprinted, especially those cheaper comics that, that, uh, that we read as kids and uh, and I don't feel that attraction and that bothers me a lot, that actually bothers me quite a lot, you know. Uh, Because I smuggled comics, you know, uh, on the way to Sweden, you know, on the refugee bus. I, uh, in fact, you know, I, uh, I think I probably did something to the bag that um, you know my my mother uh, packed, and just to kind of bring some contraband, which were a couple of comics, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so so I feel kind of uh, nostalgic for that. You know, I feel bad about. Uh, about not having that that same feeling uh, about those things. Uh, so if you if you uh, so, so so when I when I wrote this story, obviously I was thinking, okay, well this is uh, you know like one of my essays, but this would be really best if it was done uh, if if there was a third element. You know, it was semi satirical, it was both kind of as you say. Uh, an attack on nostalgia or you know showing you know what nostalgia was was for me uh and also as i kind of try and 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 show that uh, that i don't feel nostalgic uh there is a layer uh, which is extremely nostalgic in the story of course so there is that kind of the tug of war between uh, not not feeling nostalgia and also the story itself is actually really quite nostalgic mm. uh, uh, and I needed uh, as, as I said as I was using a lot of hyperbole a, a lot of exaggeration I wanted that to be highlighted through the, the com- through the comic book format really mm. kind of comicky not just comic book I could, but that a lot of uh, characters would be caricatures that i would be a caricature of those characters or what mm-hmm. they would be caricatures of me and and so on so uh so that, those were some of the ideas which i could not write into the story without explaining uh and i felt that like when i when we spoke about it and i said i would like it to be at least in part a comic book i i wanted a layer uh, that is added to, to the story through those visuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, so, so it would kind of just have um, the, the comic book format would just add a lot of new layers, which which I felt that I couldn't do in prose. Uh, and that that's something that I always felt comics could do. The best comics could do exactly that. And not mm-hmm. just illustrate the story, but actually, uh make it into something something bigger something uh, uh much much deeper uh, and i hope i hope it succeeded And you know, so we'll we'll see the, the result But that was uh, the idea
0: i mean i think it definitely has succeeded a lot more than the old 1990s comics were like uh because when you were talking about <laughs> uh, when you were talking about how you don't enjoy them anymore like i i was quite into comics as well and at some point i was really into video games i was even really into independent comic books in the 2000s mm-hmm. but all yeah. of a sudden kind of like in the 2010s I think it wasn't just my personal mood that has shifted but there was like a global shift in terms of like reconsidering the culture that we're consuming It's popularly called the council culture yeah. and I think I was yeah. personally going through a stage in my life and I was quite kind of caught up with that whole thing as well so my mm-hmm. tastes have suddenly changed entirely and when I revisit Uh, a lot of the culture that I have consumed around 20 years ago, now it makes me like, only a few of them can really stand up to to my expectations today. And I feel like it's a similar thing for you and the comics that you were reading.
1: I think so, definitely. Uh, But obviously, uh, uh, there's that and there's other things you recognize. Uh, uh, Well, obviously, you, you you have changed uh, things sure. have changed you see things differently but one thing i i am missing now that you mentioned you know the effects of uh, what we call cancel culture and all those things you know when when i was a kid i read absolutely everything you know, uh absolutely everything and so so uh and uh, no one was censoring anything for me uh, especially the comics were liberating i think because uh because no one was controlling that. Uh, And they they were always, always, uh, they were uh, kind of uh, not meeting your expectations. They would always push you into uh, into kinds of thoughts uh, and weirdness that that you couldn't experience anywhere else. And Mm -hmm. uh, they were extreme, it's like there is, i mean just trying to to uh, if you would try to to uh, to censor some of those comics that would be it would be just insane you would just have to burn them all mm-hmm. uh and uh, things like the italian stuff the uh well, the, the the french stuff the uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think we would definitely be disgusted, but most as we were also. I mean, I was disgusted by a lot of things when I was that I was reading as a child, but uh, uh, also at the same time so excited about mm. being able to 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 experience all that. You know, a lot of political comics, a lot of uh, uh, you know sexual comics, a lot of uh, um, fantasy. Uh, 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 I think comics always included a little bit of uh, of nostalgia about uh, about itself as well, you know. So, so th- so maybe there was that too. So that that's something I feel uh, I'm uh, I, I feel my, I'm missing in why I maybe uh, don't enjoy comics as much as I did when I was a child. And I, I, I find, for
0: example, I mean, okay. we got to like a really controversial subject about cancel culture right where we were running out of time. But yes. I feel that a lot of contemporary culture, in terms of its, especially its inclusiveness mm-hmm. and uh, its way of making characters that are a lot more widely relatable, mm-hmm. I find it to be a lot more accessible to me. I mean, I don't suppose it's so much of a question about censoring what was made before. I guess they are kind of like historic relics of their yeah. own period. But yes. I find that a lot of contemporary culture has characters that I can much more comfortably identify with because I feel like when I look through the old things that I used to watch and read, I yes. what makes me feel bad about my former self is that I had to actually make an effort to be able to identify with the protagonists I mean, I mm-hmm. still, I think I still have to make an effort to be able to identify with protagonists yeah. in con- a lot of contemporary culture, but back yeah. then I had to make a lot more effort to be able to, to do that, yes, yeah. Yes, to be yeah. able to identify myself as well.
1: I, I, I definitely recognize that, you know, so uh, it, it's just that, you know, when I grew up reading and, and in a sense learning how to read and teaching myself how to read through just just reading uh i don't i in fact i like the, the read best what i couldn't identify with mm. so 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 the things that are that were made to for me to be um in a sense that I should identify, like for instance, those movies and books about the you know the, the World War II heroes, that uh, you you are supposed to identify with a character, and you're not supposed to identify with that character and 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 so on. Uh so uh, maybe that's something that remains in me from, from that time is that I like to read and I like to watch uh the stuff where I cannot. Uh, I identify with uh, with the characters. I'm not uh, drawn to like oh I'd like to be like that character or I, I see myself in that character uh, on the contrary. I usually like the stuff where the characters are so different from me uh, and that they feel that, that they make me feel almost uncomfortable. Know sometimes they definitely feel me make me feel uncomfortable, as you and I think that's what you also said. You know, they Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that uh, that's the you know, the relics of their time uh, make me extremely uncomfortable, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong,
0: it's not that I don't like that sense of discomfort, but I think that sense of discomfort is even more potent when I feel like I can identify. A, something of myself something like when yeah. it's not just a, it's just a, it's not just an idea of being good or evil or the hero or the yeah. villain it's more mm-hmm. about i don't know having a complicated relationship with your body for example that's something that i yeah. can identify with for example you know see, like yeah. yes. emotional yeah. complications that makes me yes. feel like a, a lot of the batman villains are much more identifiable than batman himself because you know they're all like yeah characters for example mm. and that's what makes me feel a lot more kind of uncomfortable and challenged mm. about like I don't know take a character like any villain from Batman they have mm. this sense of mm, like a d- d- like a victim complex they always feel like they've like penguins mm. a very good example they always feel yeah. like they've been victimized their whole life and it kind of allows me room to start questioning about like how far do I take my sense of my own victimhood, for example, whether like being bullied as a child or whatever, Like, how far should I take? At what point is Mm -hmm. this going to turn me into a villain? And those are the kind of questions that really kind of (laughs) (laughs) get me excited. And it just makes me really, really uncomfortable when I see him feel the same things, like similar things to myself, but like behaving in a way that I totally wouldn't want to.
1: Yes, I see. So how far are you from, from being a villain?
0: Uh, if I told you <laughs> that, I would have to kill you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you How far are you though?
0: There's all, there's a villain in all of us.
1: Oh, there's a villain. Uh, uh, what was funny to me, uh, uh, Esmir, the uh, the the artist who who drew the the comic book, and for the story, he he uh, made one portrait of me, uh, in the style of Alan Ford, uh, which is uh, a famous. Italian comic and I, I liked it so much then I was getting these reactions oh my god you look evil in that image and I didn't see that at all no like I no I know the it. one uh, and I was like okay what is it in the image uh, that, that, uh, that people think uh, I look like oh this is the 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 evil genius behind this, something like that.
0: <laughs> maybe it's the pointy haircut. I think your haircut is a bit maybe, pointier. Maybe there. it is.
1: I'm not sure what it is, but I did. I did not see. It. <laughs> but I'm not going to ask him to redraw it. I, no, I, I, no, it looks yeah. really
0: good. Yeah. Spoiler, by the <laughs> way, that picture looks really good.
1: <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, we should we shouldn't open a, in this kind of words. But I think I understand you much better. Uh, now that you that you explained it uh sometimes i'm not quite sure what um uh what identification means and, and what people mean by identification when they when they talk about stories and characters and mm-hmm. uh, and, and so on but I'm, I'm i'm with you a lot of times i i i can identify with the things like okay that relationship to that or or uh or that particular way of um uh, of, of speaking or whatever, and not not necessarily the identity of the character. Mm.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation, and thank you so much for writing nostalgia all over Bas Charshi as well. And a big thanks to Esmir. Uh, let's say his name. What's his last name? <laughs> Esmir's last name. So. so
1: Esmir Perlia. Uh, Perlia. Yes, it's an unusual Bosnian name. It doesn't have the itch.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, thanks, Esmir Perlia for the drawings as well. And looking forward to have it printed.
1: Yes, uh, yes, me too. Thank you so much, Effet, for. Thanks uh, again. For the opportunity to, uh, you know, to write that story, for for inviting me to do it, and, uh, uh, and you know, creating this open space, so so it could develop. You know evolve into what it is. Uh, uh, So that's that's really quite amazing, I think. Uh, So that was uh, so much appreciated. Thank you. Obviously, for the podcast. I hope people will like the story. Uh, Yes. I think I'm quite uh, sure they will.
0: Yeah. Thanks and goodbye.
1: Bye-bye.